but that the, the sharing of our faith should be driven by love. It should be driven by the fact that Jesus Christ loved us, that we are so full and moved and our lives are so changed by his love that we just want to give that. And that it should look like love, which I don't know that that really looked like love on the video. <laughs> um, in this particular segment, we're going to be talking, the topic is driven by love. And I want to take you to Mark 16. In the last series that we did on the Holy Spirit, we had talked about the fact that, that Jesus, in his parting words on earth before he ascended, and you'd think right, the, the, that the last words Jesus spoke would be important. Anybody agree that, that they're probably significant? The two things that Jesus spoke about in his parting words were the Holy Spirit and the gift that was coming, which we talked about in the last series. And then the other part that Jesus spoke about is that we are to give what Jesus has given us, that we are to tell people about the good news of his coming and all that he accomplished. So this next series is about that, and it's called Love, Pay It Forward, Driven by Love. In Mark 16, in verse 15, I want to just read these records to you of his words. In verse 15 it says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Now I want to talk a little bit about that because it's interesting. What do you, like preaching actually just means to declare. I think we think of preaching as, Oh, amen! Let's hear some amen! I mean, it's that kind of thing. And, uh, and to preach is just to be a herald. It's somebody that announces things. It's, it's just to declare or to tell. Now, notice that, that in the word preach, it doesn't mean to talk somebody into something or to persuade them or to strong-arm them. Our job and our calling, Jesus said, and this is to everyone, is, is to preach, to just, to just declare. And the good news is talking about Jesus Christ and all that he gave. It calls what Jesus accomplished in his death, in his resurrection, in his love, that we can have salvation, that we can have eternal life, that it's by grace, that we don't have to earn it, good news, which it certainly is. So our calling, every single person, believe it or not, is called to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's interesting that it says to go to all the world. That it might not seem, I don't know about, you know, you guys, but I I'm, I'm wasn't particularly planning on, you know, going to other nations and talking about Jesus Christ. But it's interesting that this, and you're going to see this in the other records as well, that the vision is that we're going to share it with the world. And I believe that a big piece of this is that none of us can change the world by ourselves. I, I want to change the world. Anybody else feel, get a longing to do that? You know, you see the world and you just go, I want to change the world. I want to start a revolution. But one person is kind of small. But the calling in the body of Christ that is each person shares the good news that we can reach the world with Jesus. It just takes all of us saying yes to this call and stepping into it to have that kind of an impact. But I think it's kind of exciting to say I can change the world one person at a time. I can change the world in my little cog of my life and the people in my circle. I can't, you know, that gives me peace. Because I don't know about you guys, have you ever felt frustrated and in anguish about the world around you and felt overwhelmed? 
We can either just cave and say it's hopeless and I'm going to hide in a little corner someplace because this is depressing. Or we can say, I'm going to take out every person I can from the devil's kingdom. I'm going to do what I can in my little teeny microcosm world life and change the world one life at a time. Every single one of us has that power and ability and calling. Jesus Christ wanted each and every one of us to do this. Now, it says in, and then it says, <laughs> to preach the good news, it's interesting, to all creation. What do you think of when you think of that he would say, wait a minute, we're preaching to all creation. What does that sound like? Everything, like what? What would be included? Birds, trees, you think that. It's kind of funny. Like, do you think he was saying, we should go out and talk to the trees and the birds and say, Jesus is Lord. <laughs> he, <laughs> you know, what do you think as far as, like, like I, I really believe that what it's saying, which is kind of exciting, is that what Jesus is saying is to not overlook anyone. It's a figure of speech with emphasis. And I believe that the emphasis is that it's not for us to pick and choose who we preach to. Have you ever thought that? Oh, this person needs the Lord. This person doesn't need the Lord. This person's not going to hear the Lord. This per Do you know what I mean? The, the, the figure of it's, figures of speech in the Bible are for emphasis. This cannot be taken literally. You cannot, I, I really think it would be a little ludicrous to think that that's really what Jesus was talking about, is that we're supposed to preach to the spiders and the worms and the, you know, whatever, the fish in the sea, you know, any of that. So if that's not what he meant, then it has to be a figure of speech of emphasis saying, don't overlook anybody, that the whole world and every creature in the world, we need to speak and have it be our call to spread the good news, that no one would be overlooked. Didn't that make sense? And help it make it live for you? It's kind of exciting. It's kind of a funny figure of speech, too, but I like the picture. And then in verse 16, it says, whoever uh, believes, and oh, we already did that last week, but that's okay. That was the one that... Um, that we talked about last time as far as whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. Uh, whoever does not believe will be judged, the word is, uh, uh, should have been translated. And then it talks about these signs will accompany those that believe. Let's go to uh, Matthew 28, and we've got a famous verse called the Great Commission. It's called that because this is the calling for every single person that knows Jesus Christ Everybody's commissioned to do this, not just the evangelist, not just the televangelist on TV or some people that are extra people persons, you know, that aren't, you say, oh, I'm not the kind of person. I'm not a people person. I'm a shy person. The Bible says, and Jesus says, we are all called to the Great Commission. We are all called to share the good news of what he did. Um, in Matthew 28, in verse 16, it says, then the 11 disciples went to, oh, actually, sorry, I wanted to start. I started in the wrong verse. Uh, verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit, sorry, I'm, King James is in my brain. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. So we see again, we see a, a couple of recurring themes. It says 
But there's a little different nuance there in verse 19. It says, therefore, go and make disciples. Disciples are disciplined followers. So a part of this is that God, it says, wants all men to be saved, to come to know Jesus Christ and have eternal life, but also to come to the knowledge of the truth. That God's goal is not for people to get saved and have their lives be crummy and not know him and just, you know, stay the same and, you know, Lives been miserable, but the goal, as much as we can, the goal is to help people come to know and walk with him. Now, as we're going to see as we go through this series, you can't, God gives free will. He's not expecting us to control. He's not, it's not our responsibility as far as the fruit, but we're trying to move people more and more towards Jesus because that's where there is healing. Um, and then we see it's also in all nations. And then baptizing, we know from the book of Acts, is what kind of baptism? John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with Holy Spirit. So he's speaking about the fact that the goal is that we would have people be saved and be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let's go to Luke 24. Oh, no, actually, no. We'll go to Acts 1 because Luke doesn't really give a ton of more information on that. Luke says that repentance and forgiveness will be preached. So in all of the, um, uh, it's funny because in all of the synoptic gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke, his parting words include a declaration that we're to preach and tell the good news. I think that's significant, don't you? That the two things he speaks about is the coming of the Holy Spirit and to preach. In Acts 1 and verse 8, here's another one that's not in the gospels, but this is still the same record because the beginning of Acts uh, is still a part of Jesus's last words before he ascended and is taken up into heaven. And it says in verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria to the ends of the earth. And to be a witness, what do you think about when you think about somebody that's an eyewitness or witness? Somebody saw something, or even witnesses in a court of law. Somebody doesn't even have to be an eyewitness, but somebody that's a witness testifies for what they've seen and what they know. That's what we are all called to be, that we are called to be witnesses and to share what we've seen and what we know. And again, we see that, that we are to be witnesses all to the ends of the earth. Again, let's go to uh, 2 Corinthians 5. And this particular section is God speaks about the ministry of reconciliation that he's given us. Every single person that's born again of God's spirit and that is a child of God has the ministry of reconciliation. Did you know you had a ministry? You do. Every person's got this particular ministry in this call. No matter who you are, no matter what your talents, gifts, etc. But what's really exciting is we're going to look at this that everybody... Because of your gifts, talents, long suits, etc., operates this in different ways. Every person's got something special to give in this ministry of reconciliation. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5 in verse 14. It says, For Christ's love compels us. Now, this really speaks to me, but I want to first. It helps me to read this verse, I mean this word, compel, and what this means. And that's why the teaching is called driven by love. Because it says that the ministry of reconciliation, 
that we're called to do should be driven in us by love, by Christ's love for us that it drives us forward. And the word compel means to drive or to urge forcefully or to cause to do by overwhelming pressure. So pressure doesn't usually feel good, but pressure, the pressure is coming from feeling so loved. The pressure is that we feel so loved by Christ, that we get his love, you know, that we can't keep it to ourselves, that, that we just have to share it. I remember this so vividly I, because when I was saved, it was such an incredibly transforming experience. I was raised atheist. And it was shocking to know Jesus Christ. I, I remember somebody shared with me that Jesus Christ that loved us so much and so unconditionally and gave his life for me just the way I am, that I didn't have to do anything to deserve it, that just the way I am, that he gave his life and his love was that great for me. And I was, at a, you know, I was, I was very bitter and angry about um, God. I even... Uh, my parents were atheists, and they were pretty bitter, bitter and angry about God as well. But they were—I remember—they they were trying to be kind of open-minded and sent me to a Bible school for a couple of weeks when I was little. I think I was only six years old, and all I did was make fun of those people when I was there. I just laughed and ridiculed them. I even made a joke of an art project at the end that was the big ending. That's how angry I was. Of, I made a, a wood carving of fish eating a worm and called it the Last Supper. That was my spiritual thing. Just uh, shows you how dark I was. So I think I, it was stunning to me that Jesus loved me in that state. This is not a state that's very lovable, you know, to have so much anger and bitterness. And the fact that I don't know why it just spoke to me where I really got it, that he loved me the way I was, with certainly feeling very, very undeserving of his love. And um, and so the day that I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord, and some of you that don't know me, I came from also a very, uh, I was extremely abused physically and sexually as a child, so um, I, it was just, I, I lived in pain, I never smiled, I never, it was dark, my whole existence. And when I decided to make Jesus my Lord and said that, you know, he... It changed my life in that moment. I felt his love like I'd never experienced love before. I never felt unconditional love. And I knew that that love would never, ever go away. And he told me that the people in my life had been mean to me because they didn't know his love. And I tell you, I've never been the same since that moment. I, I transformed in a way of experiencing and tasting unconditional love like that. And so the next day, I wanted to tell everybody about this, and I did. I was, I was young, went to school with my Bible, and I went up to all my enemies, and I just looked at them with all this love. I just, my heart just looked at, uh, there's a girl that wanted to beat me up, and I walked up to her, and I was just like, you know, um, Jesus loved you just the way you are, and you can be saved, and he gave his life for you, and uh, I just was like, and she started crying, and I prayed for her to receive Jesus Christ. This is a girl like that was always trying to beat me up, and I just felt all this love every time I looked at somebody. My the, my heart was just like, 
ah, oh, I just kept hearing the message of what Jesus said, that the reason that they were that way with me is they didn't know his love. So this lives for me, this idea of his love driving us forward. I get it. I have been loved unconditionally. I get that. When I look at my life and what I came from and what I was and how he loved me right there without doing anything to deserve it, it's been a miracle. I shouldn't even be alive today. I feel so loved by him that I really am passionate about wanting to share it with everybody because I know Jesus Christ and his love changes lives. I've seen it in my life, but I've seen it for every other person that has let Jesus into their life and let his love and come to know him in any way. I've seen healing, change, radical transformation. There is nothing like the power of Jesus Christ and his love. So what this is saying is that the motive to drive us should be the love of Christ. And it's, so it's not that we are sharing our faith so God will love us. That is not the thing. We're not buying God's love by sharing faith and being good little Christians, you know, knocking on doors and trying to shove our foot in somebody's house and uh, whatever that might, and wash their feet or whatever that is. But... We are loved now, and that's what compels us or drives us where we want to share it with other people because we've been given. Now, what's really interesting, well, we'll, I actually, let's read the next verse. Uh, Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Now, when you think of this, does this sound, don't live, you should not live for yourself anymore, but live for him. Does that sound like a good thing? If you've, if you've tasted it, if you know the experience, then it does. But off the, it, does, it sounds like you don't count anymore. It can't be about you. Forget your needs. I, I just, it's not about, it, you should not be getting blessed anymore. He gave it all, so now you should suffer for the Lord and live a burdensome Christian life and, you know, I'm doing my duty. Christ died for me, so now my life should suck. I'm not going to live for me. I'm going to just suffer for the Lord and just serve the Lord and be miserable. That is not the calling. That is definitely not the calling. Has anybody ever had that picture in their mind that that's what it's supposed to look like? It's ridiculous. What's so crazy and I've, I, is God's paradox that everything, there is nothing in the scripture that God's got that is not because he loves you and me and he wants us blessed. He wants us blessed, that everything. So if he says to not live for ourselves but to live for him, it's got to bless us. And I'm telling you, it does. It's one of those weird things where it doesn't look like it would make a lot of sense. But if you live a self-centered existence, you're not going to be happy. I don't know if you've ever tried it. I have, and I keep going back from time to time, and it sucks. Anytime we live our lives where it's just all about what makes us feel good, what do we feel like doing, what makes me happy, blah, 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 is not going to be a life that you're going to really love and be excited about. It's paradoxical, I know, but you cannot outgive God. It's kind of, it's God's economy. 
Why do you think that he would give us, well, it says, because he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You know, it's, it sounds just like a responsibility. But I would also say that it's similar to if you have all inlet and no outlet. What if you, you know, with food in your body? You get all, if you had all coming in and nothing going out, what would that do to your body? You'd die. <laughs> it's toxic. It's toxic. In God's paradox, if we are receiving and not giving of what we've received, it's toxic. We're not going to grow. We're not going to thrive. The way that, and I mean to really assert because I've experienced this, is God set this up because every time we share his word and we see his love for others, we help see it for ourselves. When you see someone grow in God and see their life changed and healed, it helps you get it for you. It helps you see his love. It helps your life have purpose. It helps your life have meaning. It's exciting. This is way, this is, I don't know anything more exciting. I really don't than living for God. And I'm certainly not overlooked in other areas of my life. You know, God says if you seek first the kingdom of God, everything else is going to get added to you. If we focus on living our lives for the here and the now and the momentary satisfaction, it's going to be empty. It's funny, I was just, even one of my casting directors was saying that. She's this really sweet Catholic lady, and she's like, I've been just feeling kind of shallow lately because I've just been doing it. I was just like, I haven't been praying. going to. Church. I was like, oh, that's so tight. Like, she feels the emptiness. We think it's going to make ourselves feel good to just do things to make us feel good in the moment. It feels good for a moment. But it's not deeply satisfying. It's kind of like having a diet of cotton candy or something. So let's keep reading. It says in verse 16, So now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. So what would be, how, how would you think about a worldly point of view? Like seeing people. What comes to your mind when you think of, oh, I'm going to look at people through a worldly point of view? I'll give you some exa examples. There's like, <laughs> you guys are being all quiet. A uh, couple of things are, it, there's, there's different elements of that. One would be, that person doesn't have any needs. They're fine. You believe the mask that people wear? They're just fine. They don't need Jesus. Their lives are together. Look at them. They're dressed nice. They have a nice job. You know, surely they look perfect. They don't need Jesus. Or it's the other way. They're, they're being critical or judgmental. That person's a mess. You know, they're acting like a heathen. <laughs> you know, or what have you. And saying they're not going to hear God. Not having compassion. Being, you know, having a heart that's hard-hearted and guarded. So the goal is that we want to see people and see them the way Christ sees them. How does Christ look at someone? that looks like they're together? How does Christ look at someone that looks like they're a mess? Yeah, he sees somebody in need of him. Somebody, because every person, it says, has sinned and falls short of the glory. Every person, I, I've never met a human being alive. Now, you know, I've been talking now, geez, like hundreds and hundreds of people, and everybody's a mess. I know it's hard to believe, but talk to enough people, you'll find out. There's no together people. That's a lie. It doesn't exist. 
And, you know, everybody's got needs and everybody needs Jesus. So it says, though we once regarded Christ this way, we actually looked at Christ this way, I did. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And what that's referring to, because you know that just because somebody gets saved that they don't immediately change their lives, right? You've noticed that. People can get saved. I believe in Jesus. And then all of a sudden, nothing changes. They're just the same. But what it's talking about, you in, you in Christ is different than Christ in you. When you get saved, it's Christ in you. God puts his spirit in you. It's Christ in you. You in Christ is you moving into Christ, which is relationship. It is walking in Christ. That's where it says that all things, it says that if you're in Christ, if you're walking in Christ, are you a new creation? Indeed you are. I've seen that over and over again. If you are walking in Christ, you st- things start changing in your life. Things start becoming new. The old is gone, the new has come. If there is anything, this is like anything that you don't want in your life, you got some old junk, it's, it's being in Christ that changes that. There's dark places, places you'd like to get rid of or discard or whatever God can make new. There is nothing God can't make new in our lives. I don't care how desperate, how dire, how down and out. Nothing in our lives God can't make new when we're in Christ. It's a process. It's not a magic wand. It's not like, you know, one prayer says it all and you are now a different person. Being in Christ is a process, but it is absolutely possible. So how many people do you know right now that could use some new? Can you think of some people? We could all use some new ourselves, but could you think of some? <laughs> it's true. But maybe, do you know some people in your life that maybe could use some new? It's, (laughs) people are naming people. Uh, (laughs) It says, all this is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's what I'm saying is every single one of of us in this room has been given the ministry of reconciliation. So we've been given a ministry, and what does it mean to reconcile? It's to bring something together that has been separated. In many ways, we are, you know, people are separated from God. Even in the way that we are currently walked, there might be areas that we're separated from God right now. It's a process. You know a good way to look at it as far as the ministry of reconciliation? It's just we're not trying to be the Savior. We're not trying to fix people. We can't. We can't be the Savior. Don't try. Our our ministry is to introduce people to Jesus. Here's Jesus. Would you like to meet him? He'd like to meet you. Think you guys would be friends. I think it would work out great. You get along really well. But you think about it, a lot of times people, like, um, if you see life as a continuum, because I think that that's how it works, is here's Jesus, wait, and I can't think of, okay, I'll go this way. Here's Jesus, and maybe somebody's here. Our goal is we're trying to bring them together. So maybe our goal is just, our goal is how can we move this person a little closer to Jesus? Sometimes we can help 
get them all the way to meet Jesus and have a relationship. Then there's also, in meeting Jesus, there's bringing together more and more walking with him. So we not, might not always be able to bring somebody from where they're at all the way over to meet Jesus to bring them together. But even if all we do is help people move a little bit closer to him to help tear down walls, maybe they've got, I meet people all the time that have had terrible experiences with church, that they've got walls, they've got guards, they've had terrible experiences in life that are really hard to even go there. And I'm, to me, every person's like, how can I help them come a little closer to know Jesus? Or if I can get them to know him, of course, that's where healing really takes place. So that's the ministry. And every person, every person is called. Like I say, you don't have to have a certain personality. You, you don't have to have been saved or been a Christian long. This is not something you don't need Bible scholar information where you can teach people Genesis to Revelation. Our job is to declare it, just to say what Jesus has done for us. We are just to tell the story of him. That's kind of, we can do that, right? Don't you have something you can share about what Jesus has done for you or who he is? We have something to share. Share what you know. Share what you've seen. We're supposed to be witnesses. Just share what you've seen. What are you witnesses of? So then it says, he gave us. Now, again, why do you think God gave us this to us? Could have asked the angels to do it. You know. I really believe, because if you see the blessing, again, I really think that this is where we are, it comes alive more and more, where we grow in our faith, the excitement of seeing God in others and seeing that journey is electrifying. The more people I see come to know Jesus Christ, the more excited I am about my faith. The more I get his love for me, the more I believe his love for me. I believe his love for me so much more than I ever have my whole life. I really do. But part of that I really believe is because I keep seeing his love for all of you. And all the other people, you know, I'm, as I'm seeing coming to know Jesus and being reconciled and their lives changing and healing, I'm like, oh, yeah, you love me too. Plus, there's nothing more exciting. I, you know, I always wanted my life to mean something when I was little. I wanted my life to matter. I want to do something where that wasn't insignificant. There is nothing more significant than changing somebody's life forever. I'm going to contend. I'm going to say that like... Could you think of something more meaningful than changing someone's life forever? That's kind of exciting. It's more exciting than wealth or fame or anything. I can't think of anything more purposeful or more meaningful. And honestly, it's just we can't force this on people, but all we can do is be inviters. We're just called to proclaim. It's, God's not telling us talk, us, talk someone into this or what have you. We just need to put it out there and let people decide. God gives free will. But they're not going to be able to make a decision unless we invite them and tell them. If we're not speaking up, there could be somebody right in our lives right now because we haven't spoken that need Jesus Christ so bad. And we're just writing them off or making a judgment or, you know, whatever. But we won't know till we find out. There's people that won't want to hear. That's fine. I want to make sure everybody gets invited to the party. I, I want at least that. Doesn't that sound great? 
What if somebody, nobody invited you? Where would you be right now? You know? That kind of, you know, that's depressing. <laughs> in verse um, 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and has committed to us the message of reconciliation. That's the message that we have, that God is not holding anybody's sins against them, that it's by grace that Jesus Christ paid the price and gave his life. That's the message that we have. And then it says, we are therefore Christ, what? Oh, come on, guys, you're wimpy. This is not okay. We are, we are, you are, I am. Say, I am. Christ ambassador. Yes, you are. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. <laughs> what does it mean to be an ambassador? What does it mean? You think about what does it mean? Would you be proud if you were an ambassador for the United States of America? <laughs> Mixed feelings about that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's an, it would be an honor, though, I would think. You know, no matter what you think about the United States, it's, there's, still, you know, there's still somewhat of an honor to represent a country um, that, has, that definitely has some good. So how much bigger is it that we are called ambassadors for Christ? It's bigger than the United States. I want to be proud that I represent Christ. How about you? We represent the Lord Jesus Christ here. Now, that does not mean being perfect. That doesn't mean I'm just like Jesus. I, I just, watch me. Watch me walk on water. No. What do we represent is what it said before, is that God wasn't holding men's sins against them. That's what we represent. Really representing the grace of how much we need a Savior, that's representing Christ. If you act like you're perfect, that's not actually representing what Christ is about. Because it's not true, it's not reality. Being a representative is saying, I am broken and need a savior. I can't do it by myself. I cannot be a lone wolf. I am nothing of myself. I need Jesus. That's an ambassador for Christ. I need him. I need him every day. He didn't just fix me when I'm saved and now I'm good. I need the Lord every day. That's what we're ambassadors for. That's what we want to represent is him and who he is and what he gave. We want our lives to exemplify that by the openness and honesty and vulnerability and just, you know, telling what Christ did for us. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you. That word implore is beg you. On Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So we want, we don't want to be acting like something we're not. We just want to be where we're at that we need a savior. That's the message. That's the message of reconciliation. That's the witness of his grace and what he gave. Each one of us has got a story to tell of some. We can declare something of what Jesus did for us. 
We have it to give. There are people in our lives. Every person right now has got people in your lives that are hurting. And you'll never know unless you speak up and try and share who Jesus is with them. If you have the courage, what's the worst thing that could happen? They say they're not interested. It's not your job. You know, like, that part is not your responsibility. All we can do is make it available. You know, that's, that's all that we can do. I want to do this as we're closing out uh, the, tonight before I pray. Because I tell you, we've had this in the leadership team this year. We, we gave ourselves a little challenge. And the, the challenge that we gave ourselves this year was um, at, the, at, the, at the meeting is to invite five people a week. Now, I've always thought, oh, I talk about my faith all the time. I'm just awesome at that. I'm constantly talking about my faith. Well, I'll tell you, it's been a challenge to, to actually, I talk about my faith, but I don't, I just kind of throw it out there and then I don't invite anybody to anything. I just do this thing where I just go, yep, I'm a Christian, blah, 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 and then nothing. And then it's been shocking to me how many people I have not invited and that there, some of them have been waiting for the invitation. I'm like, oh, this is embarrassing. Well, you never invited me. I'm like, oh, wow. How, what, talk about feeling like an idiot. I was slapping myself on the shoulder a little too hard there, but uh, <laughs> got a, had a little growing to do. But what's been really exciting and what's helped me is the stretch of making the commitment to do it every week has really reshaped my patterns and how I've done it because you build patterns in your life. If you have not been sharing your faith, it takes it's going to take effort at first. It will not be like a piece of cake. If, let's say in this last week, if you've, you know, think about it, how many people you've shared your faith with. If you haven't, it's not going to be like a piece of cake to turn this around. It will have to be something. If you desire to walk this out and really grow in your ministry of reconciliation, it's going to take being deliberate and it will be uncomfortable at first. It, it was for me. I'm embarrassed to say it, but it's the truth. It was... <laughs> It was more of a stretch than I thought it would be. And, but the thing is, it's been exciting because of the fact that there's people that, like I would have never asked if I hadn't been pushed into that challenge, that were super interested. Some people aren't, but so what? I don't care. They don't hate me over it. I mean, it's like, like people like me. It's not like that. People like you. It's, you know, people aren't going to hate you over this. But we want to be in a place that we're stretching in inviting people and telling them about our faith and what Jesus has done for us. So I want to see if anybody here is open for a challenge this week to stretch themselves a little bit and perhaps just tell the story of of what Jesus has done for you to somebody this week. Is anybody up for trying that for a challenge for this week? One. I'm just saying one. You don't have to do five, just one. It's a habit. It's a habit. We want to just get in the place where all we're doing is at least we're just sharing and inviting people. That's all we can do. It helps actually to invite people too, not just to tell them. Um, as I found out, I just thought that I'm thinking they're going to invite themselves. Like, why would that happen? Yeah, Jesus, blah, blah, blah. Jesus, love Jesus, changed my life. And then somebody the other day was like, I was so shocked. He's like, um, uh, nobody ever invited me, and I was just like, oh, gosh. <laughs> I've just been talking about it, thinking that they would just step up and go, can I go? Like, that was a little unrealistic, I think. 
on my part, but uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, cool guys. Let me pray. I feel excited about Jesus, and I want to share his love. How about you? Amen. Heavenly Father, you are good, and you are love, and your life with you is amazing, and I feel grateful for all that you've done in my life. I feel blessed beyond belief sometimes. Sometimes i got to pinch myself because I cannot believe how much my life has changed in knowing you and your son. I pray that you help each and every one of us to own this ministry of response, of, of reconciliation in a way that we can see how electrifying it is that you can work in this, that you're with us in it, that we're not alone, that when we share our faith, you are present right there. You are cheering us on, that you will give us the words to speak, Lord, that there are people out there that are so desperate to know you just like us. So help us to have the boldness and to push past our fear, Lord, in speaking up and sharing about you and your goodness uh, this week, that we might pray and be seeking this out and seeking open doors, Lord. And so I just pray that there would be an evangelical revival and that in our hearts would just be burning, that we would be driven by your love. You do love us. You have loved us. You still love us. Your love is amazing that we just feel driven to share it. We're just so full with all that you've given us. Anyway, Lord, I just thank you for these things. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen.